Hi guys, and welcome to episode 27 of the Road CC podcast in association with Lacquer. Now, this is a particularly interesting podcast. At Road CC, we don't generally tend to focus around racing, but this podcast is themed around racing. So first off, we have Liam, Matt, and Andrew, who covered the Dauphiné for us, but more specifically, the technology that was currently being released and being used at the Dauphiné. So this is a really interesting chat. Uh, one thing to note, this was recorded in an airport after they had a couple of beers. So sound quality in some places isn't excellent and there is a very excited French airport announcer who does occasionally interrupt. However, as always, this is a really informative and interesting chat and I would highly recommend it. So. The second part, we speak to none other than Hugh Carthy, who is a rider for EF Easy Post. So Liam and Dan sat down with him initially to discuss kind of the Giro, and it initially starts off kind of, you know, talking about some of the Giro stuff, but then they managed to get proper bike nerd towards the end. And it's really interesting hearing, you know, a current you know, top, top, professional cyclist kind of nerding out in the same way that we tend to do every single day uh, again a really excellent geeky bike chat it's really good again give it a listen i found it really really interesting really really insightful so here is episode 27 of the road cc podcast in association with lacquer Well, I'll kick us off by saying that we're actually at the end of the Dauphiné. I am Liam Cahill, um, what my tech writer? God, I forget. Um, I'm joined by Matt Brett, uh, senior tech editor, and I'm joined by our videographer, Andrew. And like the three musketeers, we've been gallivanting around France. We haven't been rescuing anyone or doing anything heroic. We've been covering a bike race. Uh, we've been at the Criterium de Dauphiné, the purpose of the trip is to kind of get uh, all of our Tour de France content spooled up, ready for the, um, the race. And so we can get it out nice and early, no stress. And then what do we do? We just spend the early weeks of the tour watching the bike race, don't we? Yeah, we've been busy this week, so we don't have to be busy. Too busy when the tour starts. Yeah. And manageably busy. I, I wouldn't like to you know, gloat about our first world problems, but we have been sweating away in the French sun. It's, it's not digging coal, is it? It's, it's not. On the other hand, it's not laying on the beach either. And when you've finished um, a long, hot day around tarmac as well, which seems to make things hotter, it was 36 yesterday. All you want is a nice hotel room. And we went back to a premier class that was neither premier nor class. Um, but we changed hotels, made a tactical substitution at half time, and yeah, we had a. We can hack it. Yeah, we need aircon. Um, right, so this podcast is a bit of a different one because usually George does it and uh, you get some sort of structure. We've tried to come up with some structure, 
but beer was involved. So Bring it. that's the one apology. The second apology is we are in the airport. So if you hear random announcements for flights, don't get up and rush to the lounge. You are not boarding for Dubai. Um, and sorry about any kids running around. I don't think we can ignore the elephant in the room any longer. Our scoop of the day was a new Trek Madone. Um, very fancy looking machine. It's got a, some weird scoop um, cut out on the seat tube. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a ton of aeroplanes attached to it. Um, what, so, what's, what happens when there's a scoop is, uh, is what I want to know. Yeah, so, yeah, so if a, when, a, when a top end race bike is launched, uh, sometimes the first we'll know about it will be because we spot it on the UCI's list of frame sets because someone's forgot to uh, not put it on there, which they can do. Um, it's always good. So if, they, if it does go up on there ahead of the bike being uh, officially released, we'll we'll spot that and we'll ask some questions. Uh, or as with today, uh, the first we really know about a bike is that we'll spot it. Oh, here's here's an airport announcement. I mean, we should. Re this is kind of like a jingle. We should go to a sponsor or something. It's probably telling us we should have been on the flight twenty minutes ago. Yeah, it's probably telling us our flight was delayed, or it might be telling you to go and buy your Road CC kit at shop. No, what is it? Road.cc. <laughs> that would have been really good if I got it right. Road.cc forward slash kit. You can get our new stolen goat kit, which is really actually very nice. I really, really like it. Back to scoops. Mm. So you so, were explaining that. So yeah, sometimes yeah, we the, know sometimes. Sometimes the, first, sometimes the first we'll know about a new bike is when we see a race as with today um, occasionally quite often in fact we get embargoed information which means that a big brand will say such and such a bike is coming out in three weeks time they'll set a date they'll give us information they give us that information on the basis that we're not able to talk about it until the embargo lifts if we were to break the embargo, nothing's going to happen apart from next time around, we're not going to be one of their mates yeah. to share any with us ever again. You've kind so, of got to play the game a little bit to get the information that gives us the stories. That, we, yeah, we play yeah. the game or you, or you play it to the rules that they set or you ain't playing at all is, is really the Well, line, I guess. As, as much as we want to, sometimes not so much. If someone gives us stuff on condition that we won't talk about it for two weeks, then, you know, yeah. we respect that, which is fine. But today, anything that's out there in the wide world... Today was the best day. Yeah. Today was a brilliant day, because we met, we kind of did a, I want to I wanna say an envelopment, like it was a, a amazing military tactic. What it's a pincer movement. We lost each other. You walked around one side of the Trek bus, I walked around the other side, filming something completely different. I spotted the bike on the top of the team car. You'd spotted the bikes outside the bus, and we kind of oh, had the old eyebrow, kind of, oh. Yeah, one of the riders had been by, actually. And I was trying to get photographs of his bike, and the PR woman was trying to stand between me and the bike. I said, oh, I'm trying to get photographs. She says, yes, I'm trying to stop you getting photographs. <laughs> I said, well, it's a new Madone, isn't it? And, you know, uh, I was like, no, no confirmation, but meh. Nah. So, uh, it was just sort of 
uh, it's, a, it's a sort of game we play, we sort of tiptoe around one another. They say there's nothing to see here and we say, well, okay, in that case we'll just get pictures of this bike and be on our way. Speaking of the lovely Trek PR woman, um, I would like to insert the clip of um, her reaction when I asked her for more information. So here that is. So I'm down at the Trek Sega Fredo bus and there are some very interesting, what looks like new bikes. I mean, there's a, a slight giveaway at the top of the uh, seat tube, but I am getting the answer. When there is something to communicate, we will communicate about it. That's all I've managed to get out of them. They're, they're playing hard to get here, honestly. <laughs> playing a hard game. <laughs> Liam also tried to get some insight from Tom Scoynes about the new Madone, and this is exactly what happened. Um, I'm just here with Tom Schoons, who has fin... Oh, sorry. Schoons? Schoons? Oh, come on. I'm here with Tom's, who is making fun of my pronunciation of his last name. Uh, quite understandably, I'm butchering it. Tom's, you're on the new bike today. Are you able to tell us a little bit about it? How is it to ride? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, really? That's, um, that's funny, because that's exactly what your press officer said. Um, have, you, have you seen anything new about the bike? Uh, no. Ah, the tires are new. They put on fresh tires. The for, for the oh, this is, this is good. This yeah. is good. Nothing new about the frame, then? Frame? Ah, uh, uh, no. Does it have a frame? Yeah, yeah. I think it has two two wheels, a frame. Uh, from what I understand, there's like 12 speed in the back. The smallest one is a 10 cog. Uh, I believe it's um, there's electronic shifting. Um, that's about it, as far as I know. With this groundbreaking information, I'm going to have to let him go. All right, enjoy your shower and dinner. So as you can see there, um, yeah, not playing the game. That's the standard response. Yeah. That's what you get when they don't want to say anything, but they've got to be professional enough to uh, answer you. And funnily enough, you'll, so if we, like, COVID's happened, so emails have been a big thing in the uh, kind of getting information world, and that, you know, that answer comes via email with just the same feeling. I've, yeah. I've had that on it's, email it's so like many times. It's like when a policeman has that little card he reads off, you have the right to remain silent. Yeah. It's just, I think they give out those to the PR people with this on that says, I'm saying something, but I'm saying nothing. So, we both spotted the bike, mm. and then... Well, I was a little bit first, Oh, well, God, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy with this Team 1-2. Um, so we we both spot the bike yeah. and then it's kind of overdrive really you're here for the photography element of it and getting an article up as mm. soon as possible i'm here to do video with andrew so you start snapping away photos i start kind of looking at what i'm going to talk about because evidently you can take photos and then analyze them a little bit later and write some words i've got to kind of like on the spot come up with something relatively intelligent and also, to say. You've got to do your, I'm a, I can sort of stand a few meters away and get decent photos from that, but you can't really do a piece to camera with the bike nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Or, or maybe you can, because you did your best to do. Well, funnily enough, that's the second thing, um, because when we started filming um, the pieces to camera, which is the piece where I talk to the camera, uh, for those of you who don't know, 
the Trek PR lady was back. And she did, wasn't she? Yeah, she was, she was she, just like... She was tenacious. She's like, no, you can't do that. And I was like, really? And she said, yeah. Just about to be beamed around and CV <laughs> around several countries, but... Yeah. You can't take so, it. So we... At that point, you weren't being very subtle, though, were you? You were a full presenter mode. I, I was. I was like, <laughs> right then, here we go. Um, you can't give but, it a go, haven't you? But, you know, you've got to try and do your job. You've got to yeah. The joyous thing about it, though, is Andrew was mentioning earlier that his video setup isn't obviously video. There's no massive microphone on the top it of it because we use. Very stealthy. Yeah, we use lapel mics. And funnily enough, all the while that Matt had been getting photos, Andrew had been writing the bikes, getting that oh, B roll. Cool, cool library yeah it's brilliant so we got all the stuff that we needed so what we did was we circled around to the back of the bus i did a little piece to camera where we kind of edged our way round, so it, like we were sneaking around and um yeah you then from Trek's point of view they want to keep their bike quiet for a big announcement on their chosen date they want to stealthily get it out there or, albeit in a race but unannounced they didn't even make it to the start line no got it on the internet. yeah yeah i had so, that on instagram and twitter faster yeah. than you could say new what is it new what's the new foil no no that's a scott and more about that later um there's the 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 scoop thing what's that oh sorry the iso iso foil oh, it is that. a new foil yeah, sorry sorry well you have to give me a clue ah I'm sorry doing. yeah i'm just saying words so apart from there's a massive hole in the seat tube what are we seeing from that bike yeah it's interesting mate so the madone has been a long-running um model in checks range it's been there for donkey's years now but gets upgraded basically a new version comes out roughly every three years uh, it's morphed the last few times into the aero bike in the range we've got the Amanda sits alongside it as a lightweight one which is sort of the last incarnation sort of taking on some of the Madone's territory in terms of uh, reduction of drag so anyway this time around um, uh, Trek's totally gone for a whole new thing they've taken out the ISA speed the um, system that they've got that allows independent movement of the seat tube and uh, and uh, therefore the, the saddle uh, and ISA speed doesn't appear to be a feature this new version no as we know uh, instead you've kind of got this you've got an interrupted seat tube if you like so the seat tube, I'm, I'm loving how you're explaining this in words well I'm also using my hand yeah <laughs> so you've got this uh, the seat tube that maybe two thirds of the way up below the top tube junction splits into two goes into a sort of Y shape uh, that joins the seat stays which extend upwards to the top tube uh, you have to look at the pictures yeah really, but um, it's uh, and, and then the um, like seat mast if you like extends upwards from the top tube so you've essentially got a hole in the yeah um, and then at the front of the bike we've got what looks to be um, a proprietary specific yeah, bar yeah. stem 
for this bike, it says, I'm basing that on the fact that it says Madone yeah, well, in very silver writing on the front of it. Well, everything that we're, we're oh. saying really is conjecture yeah. based on what we've seen because we've, we've spent 20 minutes with the bike and most of that was avoiding PR people. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so yeah, a lot of conjecture, but um, it's um, very different from the previous version, uh, very different from anything else in. Um, Tracks range uh, at all. Uh, huge, big section of bottom Slab bracket. Slab of a bottom huge bracket. There. And, uh, and the same at the head tube. You imagine that they're going to still talk about airfoil, cam tail, yeah. profiles, and so on. Uh, all internal at the front. Fully internal. We reckon the cables are still going down through the upper headset bearing, though there is possibility yeah. that they're going down through the back of the stem. We're not sure what's happening. The, so to put it into words, the stem, the back of the stem looks like the one that you get on the SL7. So if you know the SL7, you'll know that as we have another sponsor message. <laughs> Okay, with that announcement, we are going to have to park Trek for there and crack on because soon the plane's going to leave and I don't want to run after it down the runway. Um, a prototype cube was spotted. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Well, obviously, it's a, you know, a top-end road bike we've not seen before. Uh, yeah, so uh, there was a bunch of bikes, team bikes, with prototype uh, stickers on them. So quite easy to spot these well, ones if they label it up for us we're going to notice it yeah so, yeah so they were easy to spot um and then we did a bit of checking closely and a couple of the frames had, actually had a um a uci new code on there uh which said li 23 yeah that's right lightning mm. 20 23 that this is form. this is the stupid stuff that gets stuck in my head no, that's right, because the last one was um, LI-20 and one for that was LI-17. So this is the model year that they're, they're, they're um, coming out. So this is a 2023 light. We expect it to be a lot lighter, but also retain some aero features, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. on the basis that all bikes coming out at the moment are trying to combine being lightweight and aero. The aero ones are getting lighter, the light ones are getting more aero. So yeah, even if that is gonna happen. It's more based on the fact that we did the car buying equivalent of going around and kicking the tires. Yeah. You know, you can't really tell much from these carbon frames. Um, one thing that we did notice was a change in gear ratio standards. So if you go back a year, maybe two years, you find that the pros are all running a standard 53.39. So the way it had been forever. Then Shimano's new 12-speed Dura Ace came in and everything moved up a gear, literally, to a 54 and 40-tooth chainring. I also saw a lot of riders running 42s. Oh, really? We keep having to stop for our sponsor messages, but we can see that the queue has gone from one queue at the gate to another queue waiting for the plane to actually open. Anyway, um, changing gear ratio standards. So bigger gears for the riders. They're also combining that with a massive cassette out back. Teo Gake and Hart was running an 11 through to 34 tooth cassette, Yeah, which is huge. Well, Something's got to give, hasn't it? Because if you're going to increase up front, you got to 
also increase that back to get similar ratios. So yeah, yeah, and and with higher speeds in the peloton, maybe. Well, was... yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. Obviously, I mean, mm. they're really. I mean, you look at the average speed set. They, put they rip along these days, really, yeah. don't they? But you know, twelve speed, they're getting good. They're getting good ranges, and you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Though, they're all going for it. Adding to this peloton speed, maybe uh, universal, pretty much tubeless tires. Almost, yeah. I saw. Oh god. I mean, Movistar was the only team that I saw all on tubs. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You but, saw the odd uh, tubular. Yeah, on like an intermarche bike or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Very seldom, but no, virtually everyone's on uh, tubeless. Yeah. Moving swiftly on. Um, Hater's TT shoes. Ethan Hater, the um, young Brit, came back from the training ride on the Saturday? Yes. Saturday, Friday, who knows, they all roll into one these days. Um, and he headed out on his TT bike, which we've got a gallery of coming up soon. I spent some time shooting that. Very nice bike. He popped on some lovely looking shoes, and they look like the all carbon. Hansino shoes that Adam Hansen used to use, but they're not. These are shoes that um, the British track riders had built up for them or made specially. Um, they don't look especially comfortable, but I imagine they are because they're molded to the feet. Yeah, they're, they're carbon everything, aren't they? Carbon uppers and lowers and, and probably insoles too. Yeah. And you probably will never actually see them in a race because Hater will all. Will, will he be wearing overshoes? Have the UCI banned oh, their shoes? Uh, I, I can't remember the UCI banned so much stuff these days. He's um, but they were well. I tell you, they're yeah, they're a splendid uh, thing to behold. Yeah, these bad boys. Lovely looking things. Very dino carbon clogs. Yes, yeah, they absolutely are. Well, Hater rolled in and started putting these shoes on, and I said, oh, "Andrew, Andrew, Andrew, get video of those shoes." And you asked what carbon ones or the white ones is standard shimano ones and to be fair they don't look especially amazing do they no but well, i guess they look fast yeah. Well, yeah yeah black and carbon, black and, carbon. um and then a few things that we didn't see from his tt was it his tt bike well actually both of his bikes yeah. his road bike we weren't allowed to see well, because, we were in some mm, conditions. You, well, we? we were while it was dirty on the stand waiting to be washed, so we photographed it and videoed it there. Um, but we weren't allowed to actually video it in, you know, properly. His, the reasoning is that he runs osymmetric rings, which go against the rotor sponsorship. But also he looked like he was running a physique saddle when they are sponsored by Celitalia. I do believe. No, I don't think that's right. I think no. that was uh, from, I think it was Syncross. Really? Mm. Ooh. We'll have to look at the pictures. It certainly wasn't a, uh, a sponsored saddle. Yeah, it definitely wasn't Salitalia. So yeah, whether I mean, it's weird though. I don't know why he would be doing that because he's... I mean, why do you be changing saddles at this stage? Uh, and Celitalia make so many bloody saddles. They make millions. I don't. Uh, it can't just be down. It's a really hard one to put mm. to fathom. Really. We're not sure. But also, his TT bike was off limit. The um, uh, the Factor Hanzo. Mm. The I, I believe it's out. I'm not sure. I've heard so much about it. I've heard yeah, Alex Dowsett talking a lot about it. It's it's not exactly a secret, is it? No. 
I mean, it's got a lovely paint job on it. Yeah. It, it, so we don't know why we weren't allowed to. Yeah, it was very, very that quickly was, squirreled away, yeah, wasn't it? It's right behind the van in no time. Yeah. Gary Blem is light on his feet these days. Faster than looks. Yeah, um, and we also, well, I was looking out for a new Canyon Ultimate. I think that is due to be out. We haven't actually heard anything, but, you know, like, so the Trek Madone was one that we were thinking maybe we'll see it. Yeah. Add to that the Canyon Ultimate and the Scott Foil. Both yeah. of those bikes are also a bit long in the tooth. We reckon there's going to be a new one exactly. at some point. We're just basing that on normal product lives. And, yeah. um, and you look at Canyon's range, the air road was um, uh, redone fairly recently. Uh, the Ultimate hasn't been for a long time. Uh, so that's next in line. So we're expecting it this year, but who knows? We're living through strange times at the moment in terms of production and so on. But yeah. we'd be surprised if it didn't show up this year. And then the final thing that we noticed pretty much universally in every team, at least one or nearly all the riders in a team were using or setting their hoods oh, yeah. turned in yeah, completely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So they were on quite narrow bars these days. For, for, you know, even the taller guys are on narrow for their height compared to man in the street. They want to get shoulders in. A lot of them are on 38s, aren't they? A lot of them are super skinny. And then they, um, and then they really are rotating the, the um, shifters right in. So you're probably looking at at least another centimeter each side, maybe more. Um, to, to you know, when you're resting on the hoods, so yeah, it's um, they're all doing it. And it's it's not I've noticed it before. I mean, maybe the odd one occasion, but um, they're all at it. A lot of um, a lot of British, I say pros, a lot of British riders, you know, that are at kind of elite level do it, but then. This, I think this has come off the UCI's ban of the puppy paws position, the fake time trial position, because we didn't see it too much before then. The odd rider, okay. Um, Taco van der Horn always did it. Um, but yeah, this seems to be something that the riders are doing to get around that rule. They just need to make their front end narrower. And, it, and it's not just a subtle thing either. Some of them are really putting these shifters yeah way in. yeah 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 it's an interesting one aesthetically these things, these things come and go don't they but so maybe it's just a pad but maybe it's not aesthetically it's not the most pleasing yeah, to awful, the eye yeah i was being you know diplomatic because yeah. i know i know a few people that turn them in but oh. then again i tell them it looks shit but so as the guy was it the uh one of the mechanics it was the Colnago um, mechanic was saying to us when we told him how, how cool the bikes looked in the flesh with the, uh, oh, yeah. the gold decals on and stuff. We said, oh, it looks great. He says, I don't care. <laughs> he don't couldn't care give a like. shit. <laughs> I don't care how fast it goes. Yeah, I just want it to win. I was like, yeah, nice. fair enough. Get yeah, have some socks and gear on. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we threw a pair of socks at a tired disgruntled italian mechanic and that is where we will leave this special kind of episode of the podcast um i don't know what george does at the end of this um usually so i'll just tell you to go and buy our kit road.cc forward slash kit if i can get my words out and yeah we'll see you next time we're gonna go and get on a plane
See you on the other side. Collective Bicycle Cover by Lacquer exists to rewrite the rules of insurance so it's something people stand with, not against. Lacquer has been voted best cycling insurance provider for the last four years running. No excess, no depreciation, no contract, no funky fine print, and a five-star rated customer service. An experience so good you might actually want to claim. So, whether it's a pothole that's buckled your wheel, some knob that nicked your bike, or an airline who's lost your gear, you can be sure Lacquer has got your back. New customers can get 30 days free bicycle insurance using the code ROADCCPOD30. So yes, thank you very much to Hugh Carthy of EF Education First Pro Cycling Team. I'm probably mashing that name, um, but they change every year and it takes me until December to remember every year. So sorry about that. But um, Hugh has just finished the Giro um, and so, Hugh, where do you join us from? Um, in Andorra at the moment. Oh, very um, nice. You're back up yeah. at home at altitude. No, not altitude, down in the city, but um, yes, where I call home. I was back in the UK last week for a few days. So, to use the most European phrase, how are the sensations? Yeah, I feel all right. I felt I didn't really, when I went back to England, I didn't touch my bike really for. Three or four, a uh, few days. I did one ride while I was there, but um, that was that was it. Just a few hours after a few days, and I felt all right. Then I flew back, and then obviously I didn't feel great for a couple of days after I flown back. But um, yeah, I feel feel fine now. It was just a couple of, needed a couple of days rest and then a couple of days hard riding just to sort of reactivate my body. And yeah, I got one one more hard ride left tomorrow, and then. And I'll be able to do that. Hugh, did you find you um you got stronger through the Giro? You uh, yeah, you uh, so yes and no. I, I was I was pretty strong when I started. To be honest, I wasn't bad. Um, but yeah, I really so yeah, I kept. I really got into it toward in the last week, especially. But um, no, I was good. I was good throughout. I think I don't know. I don't really know. I had a couple of bad days. Uh, a couple of problems on one day and then and that was it but I carried on and sort of um, yeah I did ride into it form definitely got better but I wasn't bad at the start mm. I just want to touch on one thing you said earlier because you said that you had a few bad days during the Giro mm. and this Giro seemed to me from you know the comfort of my office chair to be one of the most difficult one of the fastest just completely it, it seemed to be full gas throughout if you're having a bad day in a grand tour especially on what is already a hard stage without racing it how mm. do you get yourself through um i don't know um bloody mindedness yeah i suppose I suppose men mental um i don't know i think if you're sort of a top rider they must be good on the bad days and that isn't really that much anyway on a bad day you might have, unless you have a complete disaster and you give up but um i think the first bad day i had was on i don't know what stage it was stage nine in the blockhouse before was it before the rest day or after i think it was before the first rest day or the whatever the second rest day as it were um but that was the thing i lost a few minutes i don't know i think three or four minutes and all that um and I was feeling okay, and then I sort of cracked on the climb, sort of halfway up it, and I had about ten minutes where I felt 
just to sort of really bad. And then after that, I, I don't know, about five or six K to go, I got myself back together and sort of helped my own a bit, limited my losses. Um, so it wasn't a full-on bad day where everything goes out the window. Then I sort of had that in the stage to cheer in. I wasn't feeling amazing. I don't, I don't know why. It was maybe it was really hot. I don't know if that was a factor or not. Um, and I had a couple of I had a couple of bike problems. I had to change my bike on the first time up the the main climb. Um, but I had a couple of issues before that. On on the descent, was the group split a little bit. I was I wasn't too far from the front, but about ten or fifteen riders went off the front, and I was in a split behind. So we had to work to get back, and then I had the problem with my bike. So. Everything just sort of came at once. And on top of that, I wasn't feeling amazing. Um, so then I thought that was it. That was the sort of GC chance over. I lost 17 minutes that day. And I already lost four, four and a half, something before that. So I was I was out of the picture. But by that time, there were already quite a lot of big gaps. So I didn't, I was 20, I think 20 or something like that overall at that point after that stage. So um, I didn't think I'd get back into the top 10, that's for sure. But um but anyway, I didn't, I didn't crack. I sort of mentally, I just carried on and just sort of didn't lose focus. I just thought, okay, we'll try and try and win a stage. There's sort of there was still some good opportunities. There were quite a few stages that looked to us to be proper breakaway days, uh, climbing breakaway days. So um, we just focused on those, and and by focusing on those, I got three three breakaways consecutively, and I sort of rolled myself back into the GC. But that wasn't really the plan. It was just. It was just the way, it, just sort of the way it happened. Um, but yeah, I think the last week, sort of, due to not really cracking mentally, I was, even though it was tough at the time and I lost so much time, I was still quite, quite focused and determined to get something from the race and the team. We needed something from the race, so um, yeah, I think the way the race went after that was sort of just, just the way it was. But um, so throughout the Giro. I know that you guys are sponsored by Whoop. You've got mm. one on your wrist, although uh, podcast listeners won't be able to see. Uh, but your data, as, lo- as well as you being on the front, your data was a constant of three weeks of my life. During this, during this past year or so, with the team's picked up a lot on sort of illness coming on with it. Um, and there are a few metrics that it measures now. The newer ones have the temperature and... Um, a few other bits and pieces that are more sort of health health related rather than performance related um, so with those new features you can I'm not trying to sell the product by the way I'm just trying to explain that I don't want to sound like I'm doing an advert um, with those new features you, the, the doctors especially can um, really sort of keep an eye on us in a, in a nice way in a good way in a productive way not sort of spy on us and tell us we haven't slept enough for it's not we don't do anything like that anything silly but we just use it as another tool to complement sort of all the other things we have, you know what I mean? But it doesn't, ultimately it doesn't overtake how we feel, especially in a race, because some days you just, you might feel terrible and the whoops telling you if you're terrible, but what can you do? You can't just, you can't just go home. The, the plan has to stay the same, you know, you can't, but no, the, the sporting decision of the race never gets um, influenced by the, the whoop data or what have you. How do you assess that final week? Because, um, like, obviously you didn't get your stage win, but every time we looked up at the TV screen, it was you on the front, you up there with the best guys in the world. Like, you clearly proved yourself in that last week to be one of the strongest guys in the race at that time. So is it 
can you take satisfaction out of the fact that you reached that point or is there still a bit of you that's like I wish I'd got that stage with? yeah I think yeah I think it was frustrating as well it was, I was happy each day when you I mean you're a bit disappointed when you're close to a fourth or whatever on a stage it's not it's not a million miles from winning but at the same time the way I was fourth for a couple of days was a bit frustrating as well I thought well I, was, I wasn't that close really I was on paper it was fourth it was yeah, it looks like you're knocking on the door of a win, but I knew sort of deep down I wasn't that close. But I don't know, breakaways don't really suit me that much. It's not too, on those hard days where it's it's not that difficult to get in them. So if you're strong, it's not too difficult. But the problem for me is when you're in the breakaway and it's a, lot, a couple of days you were quite big groups and on the valleys and stuff between the climbs, sometimes they split and you or you have to jump, jump across or, or you have to jump. But I think on the day... Um, on the Queen stage, I think they went over Mortirolo. I was a minute or so behind the group with Valverde when we hit the Mortirolo because there'd been a split on this valley from the brakes and the riders have attacked and I was behind. So I had to close that down. And doing those kind of accelerations and stuff doesn't really suit me that much. Um, so, yeah, I knew, but I knew the way I was riding and the way I got into the brakes and being not that far away, despite being in a sort of scenario that doesn't really suit me. Um, I knew that the form was there so the last couple of days the team were pushing me to get in a couple more breaks but I said no I think I'm good enough to ride with the ride up there with the best riders and sort of make time on, I sort of had a bit of a the goal of going for GC then I think because the team realised it was an important amount of points if we got a top 10 result and um, so we'd sort of we hadn't changed it if the stage one was there we'd take it obviously but um, we sort of had this, yeah, the, the idea of coming back into the GC. So I was confident enough that the riders had cracked behind and they were able to ride in then. So I was, but yeah, to assess the final week, um, to answer your question, yeah, it, I was happy with the way it went and I was happy to prove, especially on the last day, um, the like, stage 20, that I was one of the best climbers in the race. Um, it was a special type of climb, such a hard, slow climb, but um, the way I felt, was was good, so that was nice. Um, but at the same time, frustrating. I think if I'd ridden like that for the three weeks and not had those sort of bad days and not had to recoup time in breakaways, I think, um, yeah, it would have been interesting to see what the result was. And obviously, you, you never know. Um, and the result I got most of the time, the, the fair results. So I'm not going to say I would have won or finished third or fifth or whatever, but um, yeah, it would have been interesting. I think it was frustrating the way I felt at the end of the race and not to have that feeling the whole way through. Um, but yeah, I was pretty happy with it in the end. It was a nice nice result on paper to get ninth. It wasn't really what we went for, but um, I think given the bad couple of days I'd had, I think it was I think it was okay. Um, and I had a couple of, couple of stages where I was sort of in the mix close to the victory, but um, so yeah, it was it was okay the final week and the final day, even on the TT, I was happy with that. That was that was sort of a nice, nice way to finish as well. Sometimes for me, the TTs are quite. It's uh, I don't know. I would say I'm inconsistent. Not so much now. Not so much nowadays. A bit more consistent now. But I have the ability to do a good time trial, and I also have the ability to do a pretty average one, depending on how I'm feeling. Sometimes I just feel a little blocked up and. You can't really, you just can't, I don't know, you can't get any power out. But that day I felt good. I felt strong on the flat bits and the, the climb. And um, So, yeah, I was happy to finish like that and just show consistency that final week. 
you, you don't sound like a rider that obsesses over the bike tech necessarily. You just like, as long as it's working, you're happy. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yes and no. Um, I like it to be right. I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I like it to be right. If something's not right, then I, I'm not. I won't just ride something because it's too heavy, or if it's something, yeah, something's too heavy or something like that. It has to be. It has to be right. I'm not, I'm not sloppy. I'm not, I wouldn't just sort of ride anything. But um, yeah, I sort of like it the way I like it. And, and that's it. I'd rather ride it the way it is than sort of change it just for the sake of changing it. Or, um, But yeah, if there's something lighter available, like a lighter set of wheels or tyres, and I, I want to ride those or one of the special chains, I want to use that in big races. Or um, yeah, I do like the sort of detailed things. And the, I don't, but I'm not that fussy. Some, in terms of sort of position and stuff, like I said before, I'm not that fussy about that. I'll never, you'll never see me with an Allen key in my hand, messing around with my saddle. No, some riders constantly have a Allen key in their hand, and they're always pestering the mechanics to change the saddle height or the bars or something. But I'm never like that. But if there's a yeah, if there's a bit of equipment that's faster or better, I'd, I like to use it. In the final so final stage of the TT in the Giro, we only usually use deep wheels for the TTT, I think 80 mil or something, 80 millimeters and all that. Generally, we only use those. And so I asked the mechanic to prepare a tubeless 55, like a slightly shallow wheel for the final TT with the climb and stuff. And they were happy to do that. They put a TT tire on it, tubeless tire, and set it up how I liked it, a couple of those for a bike and a spare bike. That's about as far as it goes, really. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm on top of it. I know exactly what I'm riding. I'm quite... Um, I've got a good eye for the bikes and stuff. Like, I, know, I know what what equipment and stuff I'm using. I'm aware of what I'm using. Some days I won't use a power meter with the to use some lighter cranks. Or um, I usually the directors look after the gear ratios and stuff. But yeah, we we yeah we have to make a decision as well ourselves. The, before the week or so before the race, we have to look at the profiles and stuff at the stages, and we have to make a decision on what wheels and tires and stuff we're using. So I think the team forced us to be quite on top of these these things um, before a race and know know what equipment we're riding so we could communicate properly and change it and adjust to different things. But um, yeah, I am into the bikes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but there's certain things you can't control. You when you're in a professional team, you can't just go out and buy a whatever set of wheels or a certain set of bars. You've got to use what the sponsors allow. So. It becomes a point where you think as long as you're using the best of what you've got available, um, that's good enough. I mean, thankfully, you guys are with Vittoria tyres, yes, with yep. the and they've got the um the tubeless tires with the liner system. Are you finding that they're um good and uh, more for safety, really? When you do get a puncture, are they are they safe enough to stop on? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've never, I don't think I've punctured on one. Maybe I punctured on one. Sorry, I'm knocking on wood. Yeah, I did. I punctured on one a couple of years ago, I think. And, um, and yeah, they were fine. I didn't notice I punctured for a while. I was, it wasn't a, I can't remember what it was. The stage of the tour, I think, a couple of years ago. And I, I halfway through it, someone came up to me and said, I think you've punctured. And I said, oh, I don't think so. Anyway, it was, it was a bit of a bad road anyway. So I was bouncing on the rear wheel and it turned out I had punctured. It was just, it sealed itself with the liner in. Um, so it was sort of, I don't know if I had to put a number on it, I'd say it was probably about 60 PSI, something like that. It felt like to me. So it wasn't that, 
it was it was a bit spongy. You could feel it compared to the front. You could feel it, but if you'd had a pair of those on your bike, you wouldn't have. You probably wouldn't have noticed you'd uh, you'd even punctured. And and with the for the say the gravel stage, I started Bianchi type races with the gravel stage in the Giro last year. I think I don't know what I had in the tires. I I can't remember. I don't want to say something ridiculous. Um, but I had as low as as low as the team would allow me to run, and it was it was low. You could you were, they were really soft. And no issues. They were did the liner in there and some sealant, and there was zero issues. Um, so yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty good. I think the ties in general are pretty good. We've been using them for quite a few years now, Victoria, and we've never had any trouble. I think even now for the TT ties, I don't think we use any sealant. I don't think mm. they're that good. I don't think. I think you can manage without sealant because um, they got the tape right. They have got the combination of the tape and stuff. And, they don't have any of the like the foam line or anything. They just just the tire and the tape. Um, but yeah, I now, can't complain I, about the equipment we use. I am conscious of time, but um, if you have a few more minutes, um, I I heard you speaking on Matt Stevens' podcast about this lovely steel bike that you've got at home. Hmm. Do you mind telling our listeners about that? Yeah, well, I, I was just thinking before I might take it back. It, it never gets used, and it's. Um, we got a dog earlier in the years where the bike used to be that's where the dog the dog's bowls go so the bike's been shoved in the spare room um, so I might take it back to my house in England and leave it there there's more space there so like, I, was, I was just thinking about taking it back in a few weeks um, but yeah it's uh, I don't really know too much about the frame I got it from a, a bike jumble I think it was it's branded it was branded as a Dave Dave Lloyd and I think someone made them for it. I'm pretty sure someone, well, I think someone did. I'm pretty sure. Um, exactly who, I think, could have been one of a few different frame builders. Um, we think, then again, the, there was no record. We tried to find out through some local frame builders and they never kept any records. So it doesn't have a serial number, the frame, but judging by some other frames, similar um, from the, from the same period from from Dave Lloyd, well, Dave Lloyd's branded frames from that era, it, it looks about right. Um, and I think from he didn't have any, he just had the Dave Lloyd stickers on. When I got it. It was it was like a bit rusty and a bit messed up when we got it. So, but we we took it to a local frame builder to do some work on it. Had a couple of braids on bits, and there was a bit of a hole in it. I think you may have to change change one of the seats days or something or. Something anyway, there's something that I can't remember. That was years ago, um, and he judged by the weight of it that it was, I think, five three one SL. I think the the lighter, the lightest five three one tube and they made it by the weight. It fitted in this sort of bracket of weight, um, and the way it sounded as well when they tapped the sort of button, you could feel it wasn't standard five three one. Um, so yeah, it was. It's, it's pretty light, so it's, it seems genuine. Um, and yeah, so I, I was set. I had a couple of it came with clips on the top shoe for a cable, but I didn't really like those. So I put some got some braids on sort of cable guides for the top tube. Um and what else? Um oh front mech, a front mech boss, or whatever you call them, the braids on front mech uh, hanger. Um and that was it. They checked it for alignment and Checked it was okay. I think they, they repainted it as well. They put new some new paint on and stickers and stuff. Um, and yeah, checked it was all fine. Um, and yeah, I went. 
around looking for old bits sort of from the same sort of same period super record he's got full super record on it um, and that's it I've written it a few times just for a bit of fun but um, yeah it's just like they're sort of gathering dust and been in, but yeah when the dog came the bike the bike had to move story of many many people's lives I think yeah so and now it's now it's sat there for half a year now and not been not seen the light of well it's not seen the light of anything it's been hung up in the spare room on a on a rack um so yeah might have to go back to back to England and get a bit more space in the apartment yeah oh well when you when you do take it back to England make sure you take a few photos for us because I'd love to love to share them that sounds like sounds like a bike that's right up our street like your bike with the, the head yeah shape. got my sl7 and then so any so I, I test a load of bikes 14 grand bikes anything that comes in nothing gets noticed by the public but then that hot pink kinesis behind there cost me about a grand to build up from old parts <laughs> everyone that sees it goes Whoa. Yeah, that's a nice bike, but that's expensive. You're just like, it's like yeah, uh, lovely. They got some mud guards on it, I can see. Oh, yes, yeah, that, that does the hard yards, bless it. But, yeah, I've got a bike in the UK, an old um team bike, Cannondale Synapse. I bought it off the team a few years ago. You wanted to use it in Roubaix, so it's got all the DI2 Durace on the new stuff, yeah. not the new stuff, but the previous stuff. And the team made it all my my handlebar saddle and stuff, and I got put mug guards on. I put some aluminium. I've got some really nice aluminium mug guards for it. Um, it's what you but, need for a proper winter in the UK, isn't it? Yeah, but look, it's got the bosses for the mug guards hidden in the forks and behind the dropouts in the back, so you can actually have proper. I don't like those clip-on no. ones. It's got proper. I rode it last week. It's the only bike I've got there at the moment. I've got a power meter for it. I've got an SRM power meter on it as well. And, so I'll just keep it there. And when you go back, it says I'm going to fly with a bike and stuff. But you see, it's a really nice, really nice bike. You don't see many sort of top bikes that take mud guards. So um, I was quite happy to get that actually a few years ago. Yeah, and those um, old synapses are proper, proper comfy, aren't they? Yeah, I was a bit concerned when I got it. It'd been used in Roubaix. So it was like it was one one use only, but <laughs> it's not really one use. Had, I think it was Tom Scully's, one of my teammates. And he's sort of 80 kilos on a good day, I think. And he's been smashing over cobbles for six hours. Um, yeah, it wasn't one careful lady owner, but it was good. It was been fine. But it's got the, it had the sticker on the top tube from the sectors. Oh, cool. So, uh, so I got, it was, it was stuck on with some sort of, it wasn't that neat the way they'd done it for race day. It was on with, so I took it off with a hairdryer neatly and then I cut around it. And then restuck it on some like proper sort of what do you call it, sort of detailed and protective clear stuff, some really sticky clear stuff. So I, I managed to stick that back on where it was, cleaned it all up. And um, so it's, it's on there forever now, it's not coming off that. Oh, that's that's that sounds like a proper winter bike with a story. As all yeah, yeah, it's a good bike, but then he took all this sticker because he had different handlebars and saddle and all that stuff, so they, they changed all that, so it's not really his bike anymore. And they said you want to keep his sticker, but I thought it's a bit weird that really riding around with your teammates' stickers on there on, on my bike. So the the chain took his sticker off, but um yeah, it wasn't really it wasn't the same bike anymore. The only thing that was the same was the 
the group set and the frame, everything else was different. So um, it already lost its sort of charm. The cobble well, thing just to keep it. I'll send some pictures went, after. I don't know if he, I'll send them to Key and he can send them to you. That'd be brilliant. I wrote it last week. I was always on it last week. So I keep this good break. Because you got battered by the cobbles, didn't you, Liam? You went out in, in April, was it? Yeah, so this, this is this year's race. This is the one kind of pro experience that I've had was tasting the cobbles and they're just brutal. Like I was saying to one of my mates that you come off each sector mm. and then you kind of lift your hand off the sector and then you unpeel, you uncramp each finger individually. They're just, it's brutal. And that's not even at race pace. That's at like 40 kph. So they go over at 50 in a bunch with the dust. It, uh, it'd be disgusting. Yeah, I think it's easier when in your race pace. You I've never done it. it. I don't know. I think if you go into it fast, you sort of... I don't know. I think it's one of those things, if you go over slowly, if you go over a speed bump slowly in a car, you sort of feel it more, don't you? You realise how big it is, but if you go over it fast, you sort of just... I don't know. You that's my, I don't doing know. it one day? I, that's if I had to say, I don't know. I've never ridden them, but... You going to? Hoping to one day, or is that like definitely no? <laughs> no, I said when I first turned pro, I'd like to do all the monuments and all the grand tours, all the monuments, all the one week day races. And now I think, oh, Flanders, Roubaix, all that kind of stuff. They can no, I wouldn't want to be, I don't know. Also, I wouldn't want to be sat there in the team just doing it for my own, just starting it for my own pleasure, taking up someone who actually can do something there please. I guess that's the thing in a team that's won it as recently well Flanders in 2019 I want to say is like you, you can't really turn up as a tourist just having a nice day out can you no genuine ambition to win it every time yeah I wouldn't want to I'd, and also I just wouldn't want to do it I think it'd be awful for someone like me to do it it'd be I don't you know, know. make it to the first section Phil Gaiman got parachuted in. If he can do it, you can. Yeah, but he's Phil Gaiman, isn't he? I don't know. <laughs> well, with that, I think we'll have to leave it there. Um, thank you very much, Hugh, for joining us. Um, hopefully we'll get some uh, some lovely pics of your bikes coming through. Hopefully. We'll tell anyone where I live so they can nick them. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Right. Well, thanks a lot, Hugh. Cheers. Cheers, man. So that was episode 27 of the Road CC podcast in association with Lacquer. I found that really insightful. I think that the stuff that Liam, Matt, and Andrew discussed in the first section was a real peek into how we tend to cover bike races from our kind of technological angle. And I also think that Hugh Carthy was particularly interesting as well. I found it really interesting that, you know, Liam started off uh, talking about some of the general stuff and, you know, he was, you know even though he was clearly interested in it, it, he really kind of tended to spring to life when we actually started talking about bikes and, you know, the kind of actually kind of bike ownership. And it shows that even when you are, you know, 
top of the mountain when you are a top top professional cyclist you can still geek out with the best of us around the the you know these cool bikes that you've got and the stories behind them so i hope you guys enjoyed that episode i really did um so until next time cycle safe bye